Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. WGR Sports Radio 550. What is your position on the role of government in supporting innovation in the field of biotechnology? Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Recent research has shown that empirical evidence for globalization of corporate innovation is very limited. And as a corollary, the market for technologies is shrinking. As a world leader, it's important for America to provide systematic research grants for our scientists. I believe strongly there will always be a need for us to have a well-articulated innovation policy with emphasis on human resource development. Thank you. That was interesting. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, your rebuttal, Mr. Carville. We have no response. That was perfect. That's the way you do it. That's the way you debate. On WGR Sports Radio 550. That's the way you debate. Is damn straight the way you debate. Welcome back. We got a second hour. Right here on WGR Sports Radio 550. I'm your host this morning, Nate Geary, on the board, Derek Kramer. Again, Derek, thank you for coming in this morning. We, uh, we've we got a whole bunch of people on vacation right now. Brayton uh, on his way back, I assume. Uh, he had like a nice week hiatus. Must be nice to, you know, not have to work. Brayton, jerk. But we'll have Brayton back next week, so Derek, uh, I appreciate sure, you. Filling I'm sure in what for you're me. doing is uh, is such a hassle there. It on is the other side. It of the glass. is. It's like you got to wake up and talk sprouts, and you know it's tough, man. And, and tough. deliver all of the Rick Nash takes. It's a dangerous game. Listen, and and I want to clarify my Rick Nash take because I was I was yelled at on Twitter as if I said that I think the Sabres should trade the eighth overall pick Zemgis and Pissick for Nash, which I just didn't say that. Hang on, hang on. I did not say that. Hang on. Misinterpretations on a social media platform <laughs> that's limited to 140 characters? What? No way. What? No, I did not suggest they trade two current roster players in the eighth overall pick for Rick Nash. No. I What I said and what, what I was hoping to get across is that Rick Nash is a guy that is probably going to be traded or moved out of New York. And he's on your wish list. He's on my wish list, and I would think... That they could get him for a pretty decent price, a couple of like a second or third round pick and a young roster player, something like that. I mean, not not a young roster player, but like a BC level prospect. I would be fine giving them a guy like I don't know. I would even give him like Justin Bailey for him. I wouldn't go Justin Bailey. Yeah, mostly you got because the same guy in Justin Bailey, and well, he's not the same guy but because he's really forward wise all we've got left right now. Other than fashing. fashing, other than fashing. I mean, I would. But trade that's him. with this draft. You know, they've got how many picks? This is this draft will be a nice draft for their cupboards. They're going to refill. I, I think in this draft, I wouldn't dish Bailey for a guy like Nash, but I would easily give him William Carrier. I'll, I'll or tell you what, Daniel if they Kednachi. if they told me that it would only take Justin Bailey to get Rick Nash, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Oh, one for one. Yeah, I would do it in a that, heartbeat. That's that's smart hockey there. But I mean, that's probably not going to happen. But 
No, I, I in no way did I suggest us trading two current roster players, two young under twenty five players, and and the eighth overall pick for Rick Nash. I did not do that, so don't yell at me for that because I didn't actually say that. <laughs> I oh didn't boy. say it. Yeah. But I teased it before, and I teased it again last segment. A guy that you could look that the Sabres could potentially be trading or have interest in trading or has interest around the league. His name is Zach Bogosian. Okay. If you follow Matthew Collar at all, uh, and, you and you should, Matthew likes to, as as the opposite of Paul Hamilton, Matthew really enjoys playing hypothetical trades, hypothetical tra- drafts, what have you. He proposed a couple weeks ago that he, well, he didn't necessarily propose it. It was just kind of an idea about Tyson Berry and Colorado's potential interest in Zach Bogosian, that they probably that they value him. And I thought it was interesting, and I looked at Zach Bogosian a little bit harder. And I think he's an interesting name to throw around, but I also think that I kind of don't know where he fits, and I don't know where... Zach Bogosian's such a tough player to me because he does have the talent to be, I would say, probably at the at his best, your third defenseman. And he played like that, I would say, for about a quarter of the season last year. Now he started, I want to say he missed the first 25, 30 games. Yeah, and he was playing a bit hurt still. And he, he was, right, back. so when he came back. So uh, those are, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. And But when he plays loose... And he plays free-minded. He plays an offensive game that I think translates very well to what this team wants to do in the future. He's a nice... I think he's a nice piece to have on this team for your second defensive pair. But if you could somehow move him to then get a guy to pair up with Risto on the first line... Get that upgrade. I think you do it. And... And even though you might say, I like, I really like a guy like Bogosian, I, I think he had... I like him too. I... I like him to a certain point. What I where I see him as being probably not the best fit for this team moving forward is, I mean he's not he's not really the ages isn't, isn't an issue. He's still in, he's still pretty young. I think he's twenty. He's probably the probably the oldest defenseman. Oh well, no, George is be, be your oldest defenseman. But that, there's another guy, and you just have kind of a weird situation at defense right now. And it's really going to be, and it goes back to what me and Brad talked about a little bit, is where this team views some of their... Are you on General Fanager right now? I am. What is what is Bogosian's He's cap 25. Hit? What's his cap hit? His cap hit is 5.1 per year. And does until, it go down? No. It goes a, up. It's a flat rate. Okay. It's a flat rate, but he also has... What looks to me a no movement clause. That's that's not an issue to me. The no movement clause. That's you know that is what it is. I I think five and five point one million per year. That is a great number. I'm comfortable keeping him on my roster for that number. That number also makes him very very attractive on the trade market. Yes, he's like I said, his ceiling is probably your third best defenseman. And to get your third best defenseman at five point one at the age of twenty five. That holds value in a league that really covets defensemen, especially young defensemen. Top four defensemen, because you've looked at these last two Stanley Cup playoffs and you've seen that defensive depth can be... The make or break for your team. Not only the make or break, but you have to have a quality second pairing. Absolutely. Because you saw Chicago last year cycling exclusively four defensemen. And then leaving leaving your 5-6 on the bench a lot of times. 
Look at the playoffs right now. Brett Burns, I mean, the guy's getting 30 minutes a game. Latang's getting 30 a game. Hedman was getting 30 a game before they got knocked out. Shattenkirk. No, I'm not comfortable. Petrangelo. I'm, I'm comfortable with Risto being that guy. But I'm only comfortable with him being that guy if they've got a legit stud next to him. Yes. Now, can that stud be acquired without giving up assets? I think you get a guy like Keith Yandel, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's probably on more of the downward spiral of Yandel his career. has the issue of not being consistent enough defensively. Right. And, which which you zone. want, and, and you don't necessarily want that for your pairing with Risto, because I think Risto offensively brings a lot to the table. And I think you want to put a veteran or someone back there who you can trust to be your last line of defense. But I also think it's important to say that Tim Murray's biggest offseason need, he said it himself, is the quarterback for that power play. And I don't think he sees Ristolainen as that, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Ristolainen being their best defenseman, but not necessarily being that quarterback on the power play. I don't think he really has that in his game. So a guy like Yandel could be an interesting guy because he does kind of offer that uh, quarterback on the power play and a guy that can move the puck very well and has been a pretty consistent fixture over the course of his career. So those things lead me to maybe they'll just sign a guy. Maybe they won't give up assets to acquire that top guy. Because as I mentioned, it is very difficult in this league to acquire top talent on the, on the blue line via trade because teams just don't want to give up their top guy. If, if Colorado decides they want to give up on Tyson Berry, which all indications would appear that they're ready to move on from Tyson Berry. And sure, we'll take him. Right, but what are they going to want in return? And dealing with dealing with Colorado again, I think they've got a, a bone to pick with the Sabers a little bit over how the trade went down with O'Reilly. I mean, it's, looking it's back, still, it's, it's a, still a little too soon to really say that because there's still an X factor there in JT Comfer who yeah. should project to a top six forward. And I say should because you never know. you never know with prospects, but Comfer should project he does look to be a top six forward. Comfer looks like he's going to be a, a pretty legitimate. And he might be the forward. best player that they grabbed in that deal. Yeah, no, I think I think he's I think right now he's the best player they got in that deal. Yeah, and but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't you know they wouldn't trade with us. No, yeah. I, I I think that's true. I, I think that they probably would trade with us if the deal was right. But I I don't know. Tyson Berry is a heck of a talent. If they're low on him though, that's the key factor. I don't think that they're low on him. I think that they're a team that is very cap conscious. And because they're so camp conscious that they they're unwilling to really they wouldn't pay O'Reilly what he thought he was worth. The difference so they traded here, him. The difference here between O'Reilly and Barry is that Barry isn't necessarily what they seek out of a defenseman. They want a tough defenseman. They want a guy that's more gritty. They want a Ray Bork. And they're and, not going to get Ray Bork. And Barry so is know. not that tougher defenseman. He's a puck mover. He's a scorer. He's a guy who can compliment you on both sides of the ice. Matthew Collar had an interesting stat that he tweeted out about. I don't know if he tweeted it or if he retweeted somebody else, but that Tyson Berry ranked in the top 10 in almost every single statistical category defensively on 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah. And so again, I think his defensive game is extremely underrated. Yes. His, he's, he's viewed as an offensive defenseman, and he isn't given the credit that he's really deserved on the defensive side. But Patrick Waugh, doing his best to destroy the franchise that he won two cups for, <laughs> is he's not looking for a guy like Barry to be his number one defenseman. And therefore, that's why I say that they may be lower on him, which means that you could possibly get a better deal 
trading for him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a possibility. I, I think that you're going to pay King's Ransom for whoever you try to pull, especially for if your plans are to get a top you know, top two pairing be it for Ristolainen. or Kevin Shattenkirk, Shattenkirk is going to be the same St. thing. St. Louis with cap problems, or a guy like a Cam Fowler or um, Vatnin from uh, Anaheim. They have to pick one or the other. They do I have to pick one or the other. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Fowler's he's younger. the one out. I think he's younger, and ultimately Cam Fowler. I, I like Cam Fowler, too. I think he would be a really good addition. I think he kind of is that perfect fit for Ristolainen because he's so defensive-minded, conscious. He's... He's not. He's 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 kind of like Risto. Like he, he will is. jump in. He's 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 kind of the best of both worlds. He's yes. he's he's not really the master of either offense or defensive in as far as you know defenders go. But interesting conversation, and I'm sure we will continue talking trades. We'll continue talking who the Sabres should draft, if they should keep the pick, if they should trade the pick. I'm sure that talk will only increase as we move closer to the draft, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more and more about it on WGR here as we move closer. But I do want to move now to some NFL talk. I want to talk about the Bills. They finished up OTAs last week. And there were some guys that, uh, at least to Sal Capaccio, uh, have been stepping up and have been looking rather good uh, in the place of some starters who haven't been at camp. Uh, One name that I've continually seen on not only Sal's you know, Twitter feed and, and, and articles on our WGR website. Kavan Seymour, Kavan Seymour, uh, the corner that the Bills drafted out of USC in the sixth round this year, has basically taken the all of the starting reps with Stefan Gilmore out uh, of OTAs. He's not, as far as I'm told and as far as I know, uh, Stefan Gilmore should be back for training camp and isn't really planning on holding out for a new contract. But I think at this point, um, he's probably not trying to risk any injury by being at OTAs. So I don't necessarily, uh, I don't hate the fact that he's not there. I think it gives guys like Kavan Seymour a little bit more of an opportunity. And so far, it appears as though Kavan has really taken his reps and all of the things that he's seeing on that first unit in stride. Um, I'll tell you what, if they found themselves a gem in the sixth round with with Kavan Seymour. Man, what that does to this defense, I think, is is so paramount. Is is something interesting to talk about is what happens if you go into the season and a guy like Seymour or a guy like Corey White, who's also been talked well about, um, another corner that the Bills picked up. What if one of these guys can step into a starting role and be a legitimate player? What does that potentially do about your willingness to pay Stefan Gilmore top corner money because he's undoubtedly going to get, I don't know that he'll get it, but he's going to be asking for top corner money. He's going to be, I would assume that Stefan Gilmore uses Josh Norman's contract as a benchmark, as a, this is what I think the position pays now. I don't think the Bills are going to be willing to give jo- jo- him Josh Norman money. I just don't think he's there. I, I don't think he's there, and I don't think that it's necessarily going to be Josh Norman money. I think it's a benchmark, yes, but the Bills will go, look, you're not there yet. Here's where we see you. We see you slotted in here. We'll we'll slot you a little bit less money per year here, but we don't, you know, but we can give you more incentives to get to that money. I, I feel like Doug Whaley knows what he's doing. He's playing hardball with these guys, and sometimes you have to in order to get the contract that you want. You play some risks, but... It does help. 
But with Seymour, in regards to him, you're looking at a guy who might already step into the nickel role. Right. Well, I mean, I think you have Roby. Roby's really kind of, imp- I mean, he's really cemented himself as a mainstay at that nickel spot. But also, if you ended up drafting what could be at at the very least your third best corner already. I feel good about that. That's In the incredible. sixth round. In the sixth round, no less. And, and I think that's important, too. And another guy that's really, as far as what Sales said about him and tweeted about him, is Des Lewis, the receiver out of, ooh, he went to Central Arkansas? Central somewhere. He was from a very small school. So expecting anything from here from him last season was kind of asking a lot. Um, making the jump from Division FBS football, um, or I'm sorry, yeah, it was FBS football. Was it Central Arkansas? Right on the head. Wow. I'm, I'm even better than I think sometimes. Central Arkansas, that's really where he went to school? Central Arkansas Bears. And he was a seventh-round pick, right? Yes. Man. Just call me the encyclopedia, bruh. No. <laughs> Anyways, so Des Lewis, uh, another interesting guy. Six foot four. He's a big target. And what I like about Des Lewis is this team really doesn't have his type of... They don't have that big guy. Right. They don't have a big red zone guy that... I mean, even their tight ends. I mean, if you look at if you look at Charles Clay, Charles Clay is more of a hybrid than he is a tight end at anything. So to say that he's really going to be your possession red zone tight end or red zone target, I don't think is true. So who then do you see as a guy who could step up into that role? Des Lewis is definitely that guy. But here's my issue with Des Lewis is I don't think that he fits very well into the slot, which could potentially hurt his stat status on the team and making the roster. Because a guy like to me, like Greg Salas, who is a carbon copy of what you want in the slot, um, you know, quick, precise routes, that's not Des Lewis. No. Des Lewis isn't that player. He's going to be your prototypical outside guy. And I think right now you have your two outside guys. I think you, you're, you have Woods, your Robert Woods. Woods can play slot, though. He can. And I think he's really, honestly, better in the slot. But I think their plan is to keep him on the outside. Now, if you go four receiver sets, I would feel pretty good about putting Woods and Salas inside and having you know Des Lewis and, and Sammy on the outside. But then you have guys like Greg Little, who I also think no one's really talking about. Now, I don't know if that's just because he hasn't really had anything to talk about or if it's because... People just generally are writing him off, and I wouldn't exactly write him off yet. He's a former second-round pick. He had a tremendous rookie season with Cleveland, and he hasn't quite had the same career since. But I think he's a guy that could potentially step into that role and be a... Also, what I like about him that Des Lewis or Greg Salas don't have is the versatility to either play inside or outside, where Salas is really, as I mentioned before, your kind of carbon copy, your perfect fit of a guy who's going to play well in the slot, and then you have Des Lewis who's going to play well on the outside. Both of them don't mesh well when they have to get out of their comfort zone. So you have a guy like Greg Little who... I think his comfort zone, he's not really great at either, but he's good enough to where you feel comfortable. And let me tell you, another thing Sal said yesterday, and in his article, you can go up on WGR550.com. He has an article uh, from, it was from last week, so you have to dig a little bit further from it. But he had mentioned, uh, as far as the wide receivers go, another guy like Jarrett Boykin. And Jarrett Boykin being a guy who also at least turned some heads in camp, He's another guy, I think, that could p- 
potentially play that role in the inside. He had a couple of really good seasons with Green Bay. Obviously, he had Aaron Rodgers thrown to him, so he, you know, it helps. That helps when you've got a future Hall of Famer throwing you the rock. But he was also out of football last year. He was out of football last year. You're right. Um, but like him, guys like that, and Greg Little, who can be a guy who isn't just slotted in to one position. And as I was mentioning before, before I got sidetracked by the thought of Jared Boykin, was Sale was talking about how much motion and how much movement the offense appears to have right now just in OTAs as far as motions and, and moving around pieces, Felton, um, Clay, those guys, These as Sale reported, have been doing a lot of motion and a lot of moving around at the line of scrimmage. So if you do, if you plan on being a team who has a lot of pre-snap movement, which I think that is a Greg Roman offense to a T. Uh, he's a guy that likes to a lot of moving parts. He likes to, and I think, I think with motions is I don't have a lot of experience with motion. Um, any offense I've ever played in was pretty much a stationary offense. We didn't use a lot of moving pieces, pre-snap moving pieces. But what I think it does is, and does well in a Greg Roman offense is it almost has puts you in the driver's seat of what you want the defense to do. So if you want to overload one side of the line, you're then making the defense shift to you, opposed to having the defense dictate the pace of play. By you moving a guy like Charles Clare or Raymond Felton to the strong side or the weak side, it has to garner some attention. And I think it's a good strategy. Now you see the Patriots, I think, run it very well as the motion. And they'll have two or three tight ends on the field, and you move a guy across onto a strong side now, and instead of having four guys on the line of scrimmage on one side, you have three and then five on another. So then you're moving your, then you're dictating the play of the defense a little bit more. And I think last year, at points, the, the Bills' offense and, and Greg Roman a little bit kind of let the defense dictate what they were going to run. And I think moving forward in, in Tyrod's second year in this offense, I think they want to dictate the pace of play a little. They want to dictate what the defense is going to do. And and I think that's important to note and who they ultimately choose to be their third receiver because this third receiver nowadays in the in the NFL is going to be on the field a lot. Most base offensive formations nowadays, they don't have that fullback in there. They've got three wide sets with a tight end and a running back. So to me, whoever is chosen as that third receiver has got to be versatile. He's got to be able to move inside and outside. So that, to me, is something to keep looking forward to. So Chris Trapasso is going to join me next on the AT&T Hotline. We'll get his thoughts on the receiver battle as well. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a guy we haven't been talking about he's got as somebody that could take this spot, the number 3 wide receiver spot. We'll also get his thoughts on a couple of comments Jim Kelly made this week about the future of Rex Ryan. So Chris Trapasso next, uh, right here on WGR. All right, so welcome back. I think we've got uh, we've got Chris Trapasso on the line here from on the AT and T hotline. That is, Chris, how you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, Nate. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, no problem. Hey, I also wanted to congratulate you on your new role at Buffalo Rumbling. So congratulations, man. That is awesome news. That couldn't happen to uh, to a better guy and a more deserving guy, let me tell you. Thank you. Um, Brian Galliford, um, I think he was on with Sale last night. Yes. Uh, the guy who, who was the original editor-in-chief founded the site. Uh, I think, I mean, he did a fantastic job building that site into... I think the 
premier build blog uh, on the entire internet, and I'm really excited to get going uh, with the staff and hopefully continue to grow the site. We have some pretty fun ideas, or I have some pretty fun ideas. I got to really talk to everyone um, that I'm working with that even in these months where there's not much going on, we're going to be pumping out a lot of really fun and engaging content about the Bills. Perfect, man. Again, congratulations on that. And if you did miss that, you're right. Yesterday's sale had uh, a great program yesterday, paid tribute. Uh, so if you did miss that, uh, you can head to WGR Audio Vault, uh, WGR550.com. He also took down one of the microphones. He, yeah, he also took out the microphone because he's pissed off about NFL rules. And, I mean, who isn't at this point? But, uh, Chris, uh, this week we had some interesting comments from uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly. Uh, he was talking about Rex Ryan and his uh, his future with the Bills. Um, and he kind of placed, I don't know if it's a bounty necessarily, but, I mean, it's interesting that Jim would kind of come out and say this at this point. Um, I mean, he is pretty close to Rex. Him and Rex have a really good relationship. It's a pretty open relationship. Um, you know, you see him together all the time in the media and what have you, but... I mean, are you buying what Jim Kelly's selling right now, that this really could be Rex Ryan's final season if this team isn't a playoff team? Yeah, I'm, I, I think in this day and age in the NFL, um, the leashes for coaches just get shorter and shorter. I mean, this is obviously a week that um, we also heard that Jeff Fisher was maybe going to get a contract extension. He seems to have like the longest leash in the NFL for some reason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have any problem with Jim Kelly's comments. I think – um, you know, after two years, if the Bills weren't to make the playoffs this year, it seems kind of quick to pull the plug on, you know, arguably the Bills' biggest head coaching hire in, I don't know, 25, 30 years maybe. Um, but I think Jim Kelly uh, is spot on, and I, and I think what you prefaced that uh, question with, that, that he and Rex are seemingly pretty close, um, at least at public events, they, they certainly seem to be that way that I don't think Rex has any problem with, you know, a, a, a Bill's icon like Jim Kelly coming out and saying that because in Jim Kelly's quote, he said, you know, I think everybody knows that and Rex knows that. Um, and even Doug Whaley has come out um, whenever there was any questions about his job and said, hey, I understand this, that this is a um, performance league and if, if my teams aren't making the playoffs, um, there's probably going to be some changes. And I just, I think with the way that Rex is just such a boisterous guy and he hasn't made any, you know, grand guarantees, but that just that he's out there so much with, with a lot of his comments. And I'm sure during the season there'll be, you know, him jarring back and forth with former players, former coaches, you know, showing a lot of confidence. That's what's going to happen, that, that if he wins, we're going to build a statue for him probably, you know, um, <laughs> just getting to the playoffs, um, you know, in like 17 years. And I think it, it will be bedlam if, if they do go to the playoffs with Rex. But when you're really that, that kind of outspoken, boisterous guy, if you lose, you're going to fall pretty hard. So I think didn't have a problem with his comments. And, and I really don't think Rex would actually be necessarily mad that Jim Kelly said that on a national program. Yeah, and I mean, that's something interesting, too. You bring up Doug Whaley. And I don't really think that's a guy a lot of people look at when we're talking about losing their job. And, I mean, and it's all based on this, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a, it's a product league. It's, it, you have to have results. It's a results-driven league. And if you don't 
produce and you don't get those results, you end up not sticking around for a while. So, I mean, from your comments, it sounds like you think that if Rex Ryan's fired and they don't make it to the playoffs this year, that Doug Whaley isn't around to hire a new coach. I mean, is that basically what your thoughts are as well? Is that if, if Ryan's gone, I mean, so is Whaley as well. Yeah, I mean, how many GMs get to hire multiple coaches? Um, Doug Whaley was around for the Doug Marone hire. Then he gets to hire Rex Ryan. And even then, people were kind of wondering if he was going to stay, if there was going to be this, um, you know, a guy like Bill Polian coming in. He got a vote of confidence last year from Terry Pagula. Was there this ultimatum later in the season? Um, What I think happened with that ultimatum, by the way, is that Terry Pagula, you know, did kind of give them one um, after those two late losses in December, and then they go on and they win the last two games, and then okay, we're we're eight and eight. We beat the Cowboys, we beat the Jets at home. It was kind of a playoff type atmosphere, and and they beat a pretty good team with a lot of injuries um, on their team. So I think maybe that kind of changed the tenor a little bit of what what Terry thought about Rex and. Doug Whaley's job security, but I can't imagine if if the Bills, even if they just miss it by a game, I can't imagine if Rex Ryan gets fired that Doug Whaley would then stay around to hire his, you know, technically his third head coach. Um, I just think in, in, in this day and age in the NFL, it's very rare for a GM to be hiring a, a third head coach, especially when there's no playoff appearances in between those. Chris Derrick here. I've got a question now, more on a fact, less on facts and you know the speculation thing, and more of your opinion. Do you think if Rex Ryan does get fired, and if Doug Whaley does get fired, is that the right move if they don't make the playoffs? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I I would say so just because of of how everything is today in the NFL that that you need it's not only a results driven league but you need to win and you need to win immediately um in a perfect world in a vacuum I think a coach needs more than two years but I think that's what the Bills signed up for with Rex that they you know there's more media attention around the team than there's been in 20 years um and you know when they have a game like the Thursday night game against the Jets this year that they win they're the talk of the NFL or you know one of the teams that, that everyone's talking about um, got fans excited, players excited, guys want to play for them. But then when they lose, you know, like I said, you're going to fall hard when you're kind of talking loudly. Um, so I think in a vacuum, I think coaches should get more than two years. Um, but if, th- if things kind of crash and burn again and the defense doesn't show improvement, um, it would not surprise me. I think Doug Whaley has done a pretty good job building the roster um, and overall, this is kind of more of a uh, longer uh, football theory of mine that I really think that general managers should should be almost under more scrutiny um, and, and get more praise when they win than head coaches. I think most coaches in the league, and, and, and Rex could be one of those, um, if, they, if they have good players, they're probably going to have winning teams. And if they don't have good players – they're going to struggle. And I think, you know, just by the time a guy is a head coach of an NFL roster, he's not necessarily teaching uh, LaShawn McCoy how to do a jump cut. He's not teaching Jerry Hughes how to do a spin move off the edge. You need to have good players in this league to win. Um, and I think Doug Wheatley has done a good job. When you look at the roster on paper, the offensive acquisitions that they made last year, 
um, the draft pick getting Carlos Williams in the fifth. A lot of the trade, I mean, most of the trades that that uh, Doug Whaley has made have been really good. Um, so I think Whaley's done a good job. But again, if they go, you know, and on paper they look like a good roster, unless there's you know just one of those kind of Baltimore Ravens seasons from last year or the San Diego Chargers just dealing with a ton of injuries. If they go seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, miss the playoffs, I could totally understand Terry Pagula saying, "Listen, this roster looks good, um, and, and and you know everyone has this as a you know uh, dark horse in the AFC, but we're not going to the playoffs." I would totally understand the logic if he were to fire both Doug Whaley and Rex Ryan. But I think um, in terms of what Doug Whaley has needed to do as a GM acquiring players by all different means, draft, waiver wire, trades, free agents. I think he's done a really good job. Chris Trapasso here on the AT&T Hotline talking some bills with us. Chris, I want to move, uh, as we were talking a little bit more about the roster there, I want to move towards the roster a little bit. We've got uh, last week uh, OTAs finished up uh, here, and you know a couple of guys made some headlines at least for sales purposes. Sale talked a lot about uh, guys like Kevon Seymour and – Another guy that we want to talk about, well, another group of guys that I want to talk to you about is the receivers and who might, in your mind, be the best candidate uh, to take over that third receiver spot, which I think is their glaring hole on their offensive side of the ball. Every other position, it pretty much looks like the depth, and uh, you basically have everyone slotted except for here at receiver. I mean, you've got your number one in Sammy Watkins. you got your presumable number two in Robert Woods, barring any injury. And then number three and four kind of are up in the air to you. On the roster right now, who's the ideal candidate to fill that third receiver spot? I think ideally it would be Desmond Lewis, um, and it's for a few reasons. I think when you look at all the rest of the guys, um, Jared Boykin, um, Leonard Hankerson, Greg Little, even Greg Salas, who actually played pretty well last year um, later in the season for the Bills out of the slot, um, it would probably be Desmond Lewis only because, I mean, this is just my thoughts on this, because he's six foot four, 220 pounds. He has those extra inches that a lot of those other guys, who are not small receivers, I mean, they're all about six foot, um, that he gives a dimension to the team, particularly in the red zone, um, at six four, two, 215, 220, that the other guys just can't offer with their size. Um, so I think ideally he would be the guy, um, seventh round pick last year, obviously out of central Arkansas. Um, his film in college was, was pretty darn good. I think last year was more of obviously just a red shirt season. So I think the bills would probably like to see, um, him come in and, and be kind of that red zone threat. You can almost have him as be a, uh, bigger slot receiver that to kind of create a mismatch in the slot or even play outside and let you know, create a lot of different variations. Sammy Watkins in the slot would be, you know, a mismatch against most nickel cornerbacks, even Robert Woods in the slot, that he hasn't really played much there. Um, you could really change things up, and, and just that size that uh, Desmond Lewis offers um, would be a, a really big help to that offense, especially closer to the goal line. Yeah, and I think a guy like Leonard Hankerson isn't even someone that I was even talking about, you know, and that's, that's another name um, that this team definitely has that could see a guy like him He's had success in the league, and I think that's important too, is that they've got guys in their roster 
who have had success in the league. And I think that's important um, when you're worried about a position is if you got a bunch of guys who have never been in the league or you know don't have success over the course of their career, it's difficult uh, to really predict and slot guys in. But I think it's a little bit easier for us, the media, to kind of you know pick who we would like to see at the third receiver spot because there are guys with some you know with some experience in that department. One more question here before uh, before I let you go, Chris. Uh, quarterback position. It seems pretty. Uh, they were talking about bringing, uh, and I don't forget. I can't remember his name. The kid from Bowling Green. They were talking about bringing him in for a workout this week. Uh, and interestingly enough, the Bengals uh, picked him up as an undrafted free agent, and then ended up cutting him when they brought Joe Lakata in. So basically, Joe Lakata takes his spot, um, and now he comes in for a workout this week for the Bills. But it pretty, it's pretty apparent that they're pretty comfortable. Uh, with the quarterback position, the depth they have on their roster. I mean, how do you feel about the depth of the position if Tyrod goes down for any length of time? Um, yeah, I think the Bills are in a situation that most of the NFL teams are in, that, yeah, if if, you're, if their starter goes down, they're probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. The playbook would probably have to get a lot more run-oriented, you know, even more than it, it like, already will be with Tyrod. Um and at this point, I mean, there's not any guy who you know can come in and win you two or three games as a quarterback just sitting there waiting for a job. So I think any other quarterback that they do sign would technically just be another camp arm. I think Matt Johnson was interesting because the offense that he played at um, or in college, it was really, you know, it was a vertical passing offense. Um that he was throwing the ball down the field a lot. And I think um, what we saw last year with Tyrod Taylor hitting a lot of deep balls to uh, Sammy Watkins, that, that that seems to be, you know, arguably his, or probably his best strength in terms of just being a pocket passer. Um, Cardell Jones, you know, can really throw deep. Um, so I think they would, they want to be a team that's going to run the ball and then beat you with play action down the field. They obviously have Colby Listenby, who's super fast. Um, to kind of stretch the field, so I think the Matt Johnson thing was nothing real or nothing really more than just you know let's bring in a guy for mini camp and then for potentially for training camp. But his skill set and the offense that he played in, he suited to you know hand the ball off a lot and then uh, use the uh, play action pass and really throw the ball down the field with some pretty good accuracy. So I think um, that seems to be what they're doing with the quarterback position that they want guys who with their arm um with accuracy and just with the strength of their arm can really stretch the field um so i think that's why they're probably looking at matt johnson but in terms of their depth i think um after tyrod they're i mean obviously ej Manuel is, is not a guy that that you can have a lot of trust in but most backups in the nfl are not going to come in and be amazing so i think having a guy who's played before in the league um has been a backup a developmental rookie who has the skills that you want and then just another camp arm. I think that's a pretty typical um, NFL team uh, quarterback depth chart in June. Chris, thanks again for coming on with us this morning. I appreciate you waking up. I know it's the weekend, so this is usually your time off. So I appreciate you coming on and talking some bills with me. And again, congrats on the new gig. Uh, Again, really well-deserved. Thanks, Nate. All right, buddy. Talk to you again soon. Chris Trapasso there from Buffalo Rumblings. He's now the editor-in-chief over there. So, Keep your Twitters, your Facebooks, your you know your blogging locked on to Buffalo Rumblings. As he said, they will be rolling out some cool new uh, content for readers. So 
Uh, definitely, easily, easily one of the best Bills blogs that there is. I, there, it really is, and and it could uh, they couldn't have replaced uh, a legend uh, any better than they did with Chris. So they're they're in very good hands over there, at Buffalo Rumblings, uh, and expect some more great content moving forward as we get into the season. And then uh, one thing I want to say before we had to break here and go to our final segment and wrap things up um, is I took something away from that interview and I wanted to talk about it with about Rex Ryan. Um, and I do think that there is a scenario that this team keeps Rex Ryan if they don't make the playoffs. I think there's only one scenario. And I think that's the scenario that the defense is better. The defense is what they were two years ago. That they're a top 10 great defense. And on offense, Tyrod Taylor just doesn't take that next step. And he struggles. And they lose games because they don't have a franchise quarterback. That's where I could see Rex Ryan getting another year saying, clearly he's figured it out. He's got the pieces defensively to move forward and be a good team. We need to get this quarterback situation figured out, whether that's trading up to draft one or whether that's going to find the best available free agent. I th- and, and next year is an interesting, interesting year for free yes. agent quarterbacks. So, again, I think that that the could other be... other scenario would be... Like that freaky ten and six yes. or eleven and five team that, that doesn't, doesn't make, make the it. playoffs. I, I agree. There, so those are your two scenarios. I think Rex Ryan sticks around. Um, and I thought I thought that's the one thing that I took away from from listening to the interview with there from Chris. So if you missed the interview and you're just tuning in now, we'll have that up on the on demand section on WGR550.com shortly. Up next, we will close things off here and uh, send you on to Inside High School Sports. That's next on WGR. <laughs> If you just run through somebody's face, a lot of people ain't going to be able to take that over and over and over and over and over again. They're just not going to want that. Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through a face. <laughs> a little sound there from Marshawn Lynch earlier in the week. I believe, what was that interview on again? Was it HBO? Showtime? It was 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes, that was it. I, I knew it was one of those, uh, you know, those big interview things 60 minutes what have you but yeah if you missed that Marshawn Lynch interview uh he basically just confirms he's retiring and he's got some killer quotes uh so if you missed it check that out uh it was an awesome show today uh, again thanks to Derek Kramer for uh, coming in on uh, Saturday morning and producing uh my two-hour show for me this morning I appreciate you very much for that uh up next we've got some inside high school sports I don't know what the plan is today but I'm sure they've got some um I think baseball and lacrosse are coming down to state finals, so I'm sure they've got some uh, some updates there as well. Um, and, I mean, for me, next week uh, we will be coming back. I'm sure we're going to talk and dive into NHL draft talk even more next week. Um, I think we'll have Brayton back, so we will uh, we will dive into a little bit more NHL talk next week as well. Uh, as for this evening... Uh, if the weather does indeed hold off, uh, my plan is to get down to Coca-Cola Field at some point tonight. I would love for to at least check out a couple innings. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of the games uh, producing, and so does Derek for uh, for KB. So most of the time, we're stuck uh, behind the board uh, for most Bison's games. So we don't really get an opportunity to get out there yeah, for so, many. So enjoy that. Enjoy that out there, everyone, for me. Free T-shirts. Uh, keep Brady suspended T-shirts. Uh, donate again, your footballs. If you donate, uh, no, I think it's donate cell phones. And if you bring an oh, inflatable. Yeah football they'll give you buy one get one free tickets yes. um, so if you got the family with you and you don't want to spend you know all the money all the forty dollars that it would cost to get six for tickets an, for an entire family right I mean at, at very affordable the bisons um, and, and if you can't uh, 
you know, go to the game tonight, you can always listen. Ben Wagner uh, always comes, uh, he brings the A game over on KB1520. That's our sister station uh, and home to Bison's baseball as well. And if you have kids named Tom or Brady, just uh, come up with an alias. Yeah, yeah. You know, because if you are named or Tom. Or flaunt it. Yeah. Maybe flaunt it. Maybe flaunt people it. would really enjoy, you know, uh, some younger child with the name Brady. Yeah, and, you know, Tom again, Brady. if you're named Tom or Brady, you're allowed in. <laughs> But you're, you cannot watch the first four innings of the game. Right. You're no appeals. No, no appeals. That's what they said, not me. No appeals. <laughs> if your name is Tom Brady, you are not allowed to watch the first four Tom innings. Tom or Brady. Tom or Brady. Yes. Wow. That's probably going to be a few people on stands, I would it's assume. Gonna, it's going to be. But, you know, try, try to come up with your aliases. Your, today, your name is Dom. Mm. Da. Dom. You're Dom. Well, you know what? We've got... It's an interesting time Dom for sports, Grady. Derek. Right now, we've got the Stanley Cup and NBA Finals kind of coming to an end uh, in the next few days here. And then we're in the dog days of summer where there is just nothing going on other than baseball. So for the next few weeks, we're going to try to bring you as much local you know, programming as we can. I'm going to do my uh, do some digging and some bills. We're going to get some hot topics in here. But mostly I want to get you guys involved. So next time, you know, let's uh, let's get some more calls. 803-0550. That number just isn't dialed enough. So uh, for me, Nate Geary, and for Derek Kramer, uh, I thank you very much for tuning in this morning. Uh, I hope I was able to get you through your uh, your hangover, waking up. Uh, as most of you, uh, as most of you probably or have, or getting this your morning, morning jog, or or your morning jog, or your morning long mow. I hope that uh, that I that I was able to uh, to get you through the morning. And uh, again, I will see you next week for Nate Geary, Derek Kramer. This is WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.